Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we discuss the late pick five at Gulfstream this Saturday, January 1st, 2022. This is show number 154, December 31st, 2021. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, any special plans to ring in the new year? No, I'll be pretty boring on the New Year's for sure. I'm not going to any big New Year's Eve party or anything like that. It's uh, We've got one of these Arctic blasts over the Northwest right now, so it's definitely cold and wintry right now. I'm probably just going to hunker down at home, watch them drop the the uh, New Year's Eve ball on Times Square. Uh, it'll be 9 o'clock my time when they do it. <laughs> So I'll probably be in bed by midnight and then I'll get woken up when I hear all the fireworks going off in the neighborhood. Yeah, I would expect that, uh, you know, my intention is to watch a movie with a, with a neighbor. And my expectation is that we'll probably not even make it to midnight, but we're going to try. Yeah, I, I won't <laughs> even try. Um, so I'll be asleep at midnight, just whether or not I wake up, uh, when the clock strikes midnight, we'll find out. Depends on how noisy it is. Usually we have some neighbors that like to set off fireworks. So I imagine I'll be up at midnight, but, uh, I'm looking forward to 2022 and, um, beyond and looking well, forward to, you know, the first day of racing of the new year. And we're going to talk about some of those races. Yeah, and that's why I I kind of want to be awake for 2022 because it is a hopeful year, right? We want to hope that we can put these last two years behind us, even though 2021 wasn't as bad as 2020, but it's still, you know, it's time to move on. Hopefully 2022 is our opportunity to do that. Yeah, let's turn the page on the calendar. Support the Sport of Kings podcast by contributing to our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash sportofkings and donate as little as $3 per month. That's patreon.com slash sportofkings. Thank you for your support. And we have a special returning guest. He finished second in the NHC in 2015 and has collected over $280,000 from that tournament alone. He has two top 10 NHC tour finishes. He's Ken Jordan. Ken, welcome back. Thanks, Scott. Hi, Chris. Good to be back. You guys do a great job. Ken, how many times have you qualified for the NHC? Because I know I know you qualified for this up this upcoming January. Uh, I will say to you that I think it was 12 times. 
It's, okay. Uh, the way that the the, the years sort of um, go by, it, it's tough to tell, but I, I believe so. I, I guess I could uh, look it up. But I, I mean, every every qualification is special. Uh, it's it's something I, I shoot for, and uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to, towards getting a second seat this year. All right. Well. Um... Hopefully uh, you won't do what I did, which is mix up your your uh, your tickets and cost myself a top ten percent finish a couple of years ago. Put my bets on the wrong ticket. Dope. Well, take 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 the mistakes you make in your day to day horseplay and then magnify them by a thousand, and and that's what it feels like when you make a mistake in in a contest. It has some real sting. And, and while I was uh, talking, I looked it up. Yes, I made it 12 times. When you finished second in the NHC, did you have two entries that year? Great story. When I, I had one. And the one entry I had, I was I either the last or the next to last qualifier on points that year. I... I Chased everywhere I could, had some family considerations that limited the chase, but ended up getting in on the last, in, in December, on points, had the one ticket. I can't say the fact that I had the one ticket led me to play that tighter and a little more uh, orderly, but it, it just happened to work out that way. And that's how it worked out for me when I... When I finished sixth, it was with one entry. And then the next year I botched it with two entries. So I'm always just happy with one, personally. Yeah, having one versus two, eh, that, that may be a pers personal choice. Having one versus none, there's no comparison. <laughs> and I have none this year. I will not be attending. I'm not even trying anymore. It's an off year for me. Um, Chris, do you have any questions for Ken? Well, um, sounds like you've been following Gulfstream Park some, um, maybe more so than some of our listeners. So anything you want to share about uh, the new Tapita course or anything about the current championship meet that might be of, of value to the players listening to the pod? Well, the, the championship meet uh, for this year, it, it, it sure looks like it's going to be a lowercase championship meet. The, the the races at Gulfstream over the winter in the in the prime spot with with their weather, they're so important in the contest world. Uh, they're going to be in right in the middle of every contest, the big pick five uh, qualifier, and and certainly. The, the thought of having a, a big race in the ballroom at Bally's uh, without a 12-horse a uh, 16 claimer at Gulfstream, it, it just seems uh, almost un-American. Uh, under normal conditions, Gulfstream, to me, the races are inscrutable. And now they throw in the extra knuckleball, I guess, of Tapita. It, it's 
It's attracted. I, I mean, the normal resources that we might go to breeding speed figures, even replays. Um, I don't think I've broken through on solving the, the riddle. Uh, and and it, from this meet, it looks like, you know, of course, mid-pack is, is most favorable. Mid-pack stalker, however you want to look at it. But the price prices, there's been a price uh, horse on front, and there's been a price horse from the last to first, uh, straightening out. So... Uh, we'll still be working on that. I, I, well, I'd listen to anybody who wanted to tell me how to figure out that the Peter races. Well, to me, <clears throat> that sounds like an opportunity for some players to, f if you can figure it out, that'll give you a big edge. So maybe that's the strategy. Just kind of focus on figuring out that Tapita. And we're going to get a couple of chances today to talk about some, some Tapita races. And we'll see what we can do and if we can come up with any insight. Great idea. And, and I, I couldn't agree with you more that the, the ones that people shy away from offer the greatest opportunities in a contest. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll get started with this pick five. It starts with the seventh race, and that is the Limehouse Stakes. Six furlongs on dirt, purse of 100000 for three-year-olds. And Ken, why don't you get us started? Okay, well, this, this traditional surface, uh, it was easier for me to make a selection. Uh, in this race, and it, it's one that uh, you're almost going to have to get use a couple, but I landed on uh, number six, Concrete Glory. It's a rare Gerald Brooks horse that improved moving to dirt. I don't know much about Brooks. Uh, only it looks like he's a, a Presque Isle, uh, mid-Atlantic uh, synthetic guy. Since they moved him to dirt, he's been a different horse. He was maiden 20 claimer uh, at Presque Isle. The Tampa race, the two back, he was just very, very wide, continued to make a wide move through the turn and, and fell out of it. But with his uh, improvement on the dirt, and uh, he looks well-intended here, that'll be my pick in the seventh race. Okay. Yeah, some big numbers sprinting on the dirt for Concrete, concrete Glory. Chris, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, he started looking a little bit like Brody Meister as soon as they got off the scent onto the dirt. And... He's been able to, you know, he threw that one clunker in, kind of had an excuse for that. But all, other than that, all his dirt races have been really good. So certainly good enough to win in here. And he may get overlooked a bit because of all the, the racing. Um, so I would not disagree with Ken on that. Um, I was looking for, you know, who else you might want to play in here. You know, there's... There's a couple in here that look like they have talent, um, but uh, they all have like breaks in their works. They're all ouchy as young horses, which really makes me nervous. I mean, the, it was really hard for me to zero in on a horse that, you know, looked good. Um, 
and I, I, I just kind of ambivalent on this field, but probably of the rest of the horses other than Concrete Glory, the one I liked a little was of a revolution who has a lot of upside, but it's a horse that has several breaks in its work patterns um, between races. But its last race was good. It certainly still has some upside. Um, you know, it, it has some, uh, you know, ability to lay close and finish. Um, it kind of got off to a bad start and still real, ran well in its last race. And it did manage to come right back off that race to run. So maybe whatever problems it had between its first two races um, are behind it. Uh, we'll see. And um, uh, that, that's probably the other horse I like in addition to Concrete Glory would be the three of a revolution. So your top pick is of a revolution? <laughs> um, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I have to pick one between the, I don't know. I, it's kind of driven by price and I don't know uh, how they're going to bet this race. It's really hard to tell. They could all go off about the same price. If they do, at equal prices, I would probably go with the three of a revolution. If um, Concrete Gloria, uh, you know, floats up above, then I would probably go that way. But for pod purposes, I'll go with the three of a revolution. Okay, I'm going to join you with uh, of a revolution. He was bumped pretty seriously in his last. He overcame that, still won handily. He's two for two. Maybe we'll get three to one. I think he will be a lower price. Um, Safi Joseph is, I think, doing well. Uh, I would probably single here since I have to go deeper later. But um, there are a couple of other interesting horses. One is O Captain, who has a big debut win, and he had a notably better workout coming into this race. His dam was fast and his siblings were fast. So if I use another, it would be him. And then just a note on Summary. Summary has been working like lights out at Tampa with a bunch of bullets and is not much slower than, say, of a revolution. Just got second to that horse. Um, so th those new those newfound great workouts at Tampa, maybe that indicates a horse that's about to um, make a big move. Anything to add, Ken, before I jump in? Yeah. Again, this is a race, you, well, let's face it, you, it's the leg you have to get past. Um, I think the two would be my second preference. Oh, Captain. Uh, sharp, sharp break last time, got to the rail and, and did what he was supposed to do. I, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not sold on the three. I, I understand he was bumped uh, in the last. I, I would have hoped that he would have gone forward a little bit from a May to November workout, uh, workout layoff, rather. And, uh, uh, you know, I'll have the, the, the six with the two and the, uh, that's good advice uh, on the four, the, the sharp workouts, which uh, I don't know that Mike Dini usually does that, but the sharp workouts. Uh, should be a, a sign of improved uh, good things to come. Yeah, so I'll jump in. The thing I didn't like about the two, although I the things I like about it, you guys have mentioned, one is the speed, and 
on the inside is not necessarily bad at, on the dirt at Gulfstream. So, you know, that horse could jump out, break, break, and then just, you know, go wire to wire. The thing I didn't like is that it ran well in its debut, and then it came back with a sharp work right out a couple of weeks after that, and then they laid it up for two months. So I don't like that in a young horse after one race and then a sharp work following the race. So they have to, there's, at least there's no, there's no published workouts that I can see between August 28th and November 26th. So I don't like that. And the works coming back after that weren't as sharp as the one before the break. So I, I'm a little worried about that horse's physical condition, but certainly it might just pop the gate and, and wire the field. But that was the negative I had on that one. The other that, horse you guys haven't mentioned. Oh, go ahead, Scott. No, no, that, I'm just saying that that's a good point. I, I noticed that he had a great workout, but it was only two weeks after his previous race, and then he took three months off. So uh, yeah, that, that to me, scares me. That's a big me. negative. Yeah, and it didn't come back working bullets either. So um, anyway, that was the negative. I was I was telling you, I, I, there's several of them with the, the breaks and the works. The other thing, Bueno, Bueno, the seven horse, to me, you know, that horse has a lot of talent. I mean, it was running some pretty good races way back in July. And that's, a you know, six months as of time, you know, a, as a two-year-old. That's tremendous a time to develop. So this horse could be really fast. And it's really got a nice workout uh, recently. Um, it's been training well. Again, the thing I don't like is it ran back in July and then they laid it up for, you know, several months. But at least they laid it up and they came back yeah. and it's been training every week since. And maybe that was a planned layoff, you know, because it, it was sort of an early starting horse. Maybe they decided they'd rest up and, and point to a three-year-old campaign and this is the first step in that. At least they're bringing it back in a stakes race. So to me, there could be a lot of upside with that horse. Um and I'm not sure how it'll get bet. The thing I don't like about it is the trainer is not good off layoff. It's not a 2%. Kind of yeah. So you got a horse that's training well, that looks talented, but you comes from a barn that typically doesn't win right off the bench. So, you know, there's mixed signals there as well. So to me, you kind of got all these horses kind of have the same thing. They all have some mixed signals. It's really hard to, zero in on one you can kind of make a case for or against all of them um so even though it's a small field it's pretty pretty wide open it's kind of a tough race in a pick five when you can't at least for me i can't narrow in too much but then if you you know a seven horse field you don't really want to spread especially in the first leg kind of thing so anyway it, it's a tough start to the sequence for sure for me well they the placement of the races uh, and, and where they stand, my, my two ones I'm going to lean on are a little later. So I, I'd be happy, be happy spreading here. Just to get through this one, huh? And the thing is, I don't think any horse is going to get bet down to even money or anything. So it's not like uh, if you ca even catch the who it's a favorite, it'll probably be like five to two or something. So it's not like, um, you know, there. I think everyone will be spreading in here. So it won't be like you're going to pick up the two to five favorite when you spread or something. And, and, you know, you're, you're really losing value, but right. it's a tough for race for the pick five. This of course is a race that you will have the luxury of a look at the tote board. And, and if there's any thing that's hidden to us looking today, 
that becomes apparent when somebody opens up at a short price, we may uh, we may want to adjust. Yeah, watch those early doubles into the race and see if it looks like someone's taking action or the early wind pool. You're right, so that it, you do you can't benefit from that. All right, let's move to the eighth race. It's a claiming race, mile and seventy yards on the synthetic purse of twenty-two thousand for Phillies mares, four-year-olds and up. Chris, where God, are don't you? Don't forget what this? surface. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said synthetic. Yeah. Uh, I said I said synthetic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So this is um, you know it seems like the uh, mo for Goldstream now is to put these cheaper horses that used to run on turf. You know, don't give them that option anymore. They they can run on synthetic or they can run somewhere else. So um, these are tough races. This one though I think isn't quite as bad as some of them I've seen. I think there's four or five horses in here you probably can eliminate, which is not always the case on these synth races. Um, there's certainly several you can make a case for. The one I decided to go with is the um, four horse cactus kitten. Uh, this horse started its career from Mike Maker, was pretty, you know, it was an okay horse on turf. It changed barns, and with the barn change, it just completely went south. I don't know if it was the barn change or some injury, but it ran two or three really bad races. They laid it up and it came back and it, it started running pretty well on the turf. For some reason, they tried it on the dirt and it was terrible. And they tried to get it back on the turf a couple of times, but they, it was an off the turf races. So those dirt races really muddled up its form. And they finally got off the dirt, but they couldn't get on the turf anymore at Gulfstream. So they tried the synth. And the first time on synth was terrible, but this is kind of important. That horse was on the rail in that race. And um, there is kickback on the synth and being on that rail is not a good place typically. And a lot of these turf horses that are used to like sitting in the pocket, they don't run nearly as well on synth because sitting in the pocket on synth, you get that kickback. And, um, and I think the better trip is to be you know, on the two or three path on the synth. And in their second start on synth, it got off the rail and ran much better despite a poor start. So if you look at this horse, it, um, its, tenth, its synth and turf form is pretty solid, probably good enough to win in here. So if it can get that nice stocking trip in the two path in this race, I definitely think it's good enough to win. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to predict the way they're gonna bet. It's eight to one on the morning line. You know, maybe you get six or eight to one in this horse. Who knows? Maybe it even floats up above eight to one. So I'm kind of on the four cactus kitten in here. Okay, cactus kitten eight to one in the morning line and just a freshly turned five-year-old will be by tomorrow. Ken, what are you thinking? Well, I like Chris's horse. I'm sure he'll be a price and he does show a few signs of improvement. Um, Michael Trombetta is a pretty decent trainer at Presque Isle and he's, uh, he can pop over to Woodbine also for synthetic uh, wins. And I spotted him early in the meet as somebody who I, I might uh, lean towards uh, to break a tie on some of these synthetic races. And he uh, backed up my confidence in him by going 0 for 14 
uh, with his first 14 starters at Gulfstream. And I know that because I think I had them all. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping to uh, get involved with him, but a horse, the more I look the, to fit in this field. And again, I, I do like Chris's horse and uh, a few others, but the horse I'm going to lean to is the two perfect Kimberly S. A beaten favorite in the last race. Uh, Sean Bridgman didn't get interested until way too late. Uh, the race two back would absolutely win this race. And uh, Paco's not afraid to uh, drift out a little in the first turn to get his proper position. Uh, and, and again, this horse only has to run back to the race two back. To, uh, to be a big factor here. A couple of the other horses uh, that I might look at include the nine and the 10 for a price. I'm, I'm certainly, I certainly wouldn't be against the, a price winning in this race. And he's, you're speaking about Kosi and Backstretch Beauty. Yes, Kosi and Backstretch Beauty. The, uh, Showed, showed a bit of run on synth, and, and again, they look to be mid-pack mid to, to one-run horses that I, I, I think is going to be, at least on the routes, I think it's going to be the preferred win style. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land on Kimberly, perfect Kimberly S with you. She ran a good race first-time synthetic. Reacted a bit when she was off slow and wide in that last race. She wasn't ridden that hard by Bridge Mohan in the stretch. You know, it was sort of like just uh, uh, random whipping. He wasn't like riding. And I think they just gave the horse an off race. If she does go back to a race from two races, two races ago, she simply lengths the bat best. I am a little worried because these are two winners non-winners of two lifetime so you do have to use some others but um I, I had a hard time not using that horse yeah i agree that's when you use it i'll go ahead ken i'm sorry well i i noticed it was quite some time ago but uh i believe she's the only maiden special winner in the field uh where Again, it showed that she had a hint of ability. It was, yes, it was on the dirt, but they didn't really go to claiming races until after that layoff. Um, this is going to be the weakest field she met, but at one point she showed a hint of ability and you're just looking for anything you can grasp onto uh, in a race. Like <laughs> it's noted, uh, this is not reflective well of her, but when she did win that race, she wanted even money, so it was not, you know, necessarily a great performance. Like she was supposed to win that race, and it wasn't even her top figure as a three-year-old. So, as they say, the N2L means not likely to win two races. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I've heard um, that actually. Yeah, I mean, to me, you sort of. She's kind of the obvious contender. I'm afraid she's going to get bet pretty heavily in here. Perfectly. Kimberly yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I'm not too keen. It's why she's down on the inside. Although, like you said, Paco probably wouldn't 
uh, we'll probably drift out and knock a few people out of the way and, and get off the rail. But um, I the couple of things I don't like about her, clearly she runs back to that race you guys talked about. She wins. But this is a really ouchy horse. The last time she won, she kind of fell apart. She was gone for an entire year. She ran a bunch of good races, and she ran one, a bunch of bad races this year. And she runs one good race. And then she does the break slow and run a bad race. And for me, that's not a good thing. When they come off a big race with a, a slow start, that usually means something for an ouchy horse. That usually means something's wrong. So to me, there's a lot of negatives with that horse as a favorite, and especially in you know, these chaotic kind of races to begin with. So I'm kind of against that horse, although I, I get it, certainly could win. We're certainly fast enough to win, um, but I'm a little negative on that horse, uh, just for those reasons. It, to me, the the uh, the interesting horse from an upside standpoint, you know, is the the six horse Askew, who has only had one try in its life, only two starts. One was on dirt, which is kind of a prep, and then on the the synth, and it won pretty easily of course it was beaten maiden claimers but none of the horse in this race are good um so i mean having the fact it just comes out of maiden claimer i don't think is a big negative and it certainly seems like it has some upside unlike most all the rest of these horses so to me the askew the six horse is the other one other than cactus kitten that i kind of like maybe gets overlooked a bit maybe not i don't know um there's a couple others in here that I think are contenders, but for me, those would be the two I like, Cactus Kitten and Askew. Perfect Kimberly S, I get it. I just think there's some real red flags on that horse, kind of an ouchy horse um, coming off a slow start, bad effort, which followed a really big effort. So that's always a big negative for me. I'm on board with you on Askew. I thought the, the race looked perfectly good and you know when they run the their first race on the surface and they win it's the sky's kind of the limit so you got to include that horse um i also would also use la ruscia who is more of a speed horse and speed won a couple of races yesterday there was a, a the, there were two synthetic races yesterday one was uh near the lead and second and the other one was on the lead so so in in the event that speed carries i i sort of want to have la Russia in there yeah that makes sense uh that yeah. that seemed like the other one that's capable of winning kind of obvious that and it, like you said of the ones forwardly placed that's probably the one no horse i talk you off of on this in this race all right, the next race is the ninth race. It's the Dania Beach Stakes, a mile on turf, purse of 100000 for three-year-olds as well. Ken, what you got? Well, uh, the last time I was on the pod, I, uh, I came up with a pivotal six-to-five shot in the middle of the pick five and then stood back and let you guys do the heavy lifting. I believe... Uh, I believe it was like a $10,000 pick five that day, Chris. With uh, Do you remember uh, the horses? Because I'm... Collegeville Miss. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that Belmont. Oh, oh, that we know that was Aqueduct. Yeah, that was the 19 to one. That's the one that Chris hit. He singled yeah. Collegeville yeah. Miss. Yeah. So I, I again, I was more than happy to provide the pivotal six to five. Uh, that, that downtown Brown or whatever that horse's name is now, but I'll, I'll downtown go this Charlie way. Brown or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the grass horse. Anyway, in in this race. This is one where I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a lean, and it's it's uh, for me he's going to be an AC single in the pick five. I'll, I'll go into that, but the the horse is number five, Chanceau. And uh, well, I, I I feel uh, I'm sure you have uh, plenty of French listeners, but the, they will feel fortunate to get the morning line price on this horse. He's three to one. Uh, the the AC single for me is he's going to be the only horse for me in the AB column, and I'll put a couple in the C column. But the, this is going to be one of the main, main positions I have in the pick five. The horse was hustled to the front at the in the Aqueduct race, and what I like, he basically ran evenly uh, after making the front. And to me, that's the look of a horse that'll handle the stretch out. Fletcher and Saez are just off the charts, this meet. And uh, th th there's, I, I didn't feel any need to include anybody else. I might, you know, I might save with Shug, the two, and maybe the seven. Okay. Chance, I think it's Chance uh... Just to confuse things, if it was E A U X, it would be Chanceau, but I think it's Chanceau, like pas de deux. Chris, what are you thinking? Scott, can well, you fit that in formula? Can you fit that in formula? I go to Google Translate while uh, while Chris is doing his analysis. Well, I I, I know. I mean, I, I was going to say I commend Ken for his. Uh, not only it's a pun, but it's a pun with a foreign word. So I really like that unfortunate, <laughs> fortunate reference there. So, yeah, well, somebody so, got it. Is, yes, that was good. I like that. Um, definitely dangerous on the front end. Uh, does seem like there's a little bit of other speed. So I think it'll have to work on the stretch out. But, you know, Pletcher, Saez, they're hot. Um, but, you know, to me, there's some more interesting horses in here. Certainly, Chansu could win. Um, but you know, this is what makes turf racing so interesting is how, you know, trips and pace can, can make such a big difference. And if you watch some of the replays of, of some of the races, uh, for horses that are entered in this one, it really illustrates that. And, you know, there's two of them in particular, um, that I can talk about, I'll talk about one and then, um, come back to the other if. Uh, depending on what Scott decides to do. But one of the two is the two, Smoking T, who kind of shows how both the pace and the trips can really make a difference. Two races back, this horse just had <clears throat> a, a brutal trip. He got shuffled back on the backside, and then he got completely boxed in throughout the stretch. Um, so he had really had no chance off that race. And then in his last race, 
Uh, he's normally a comfort behind her, but they were just crawling the front end, so he was actually kind of stalking up front. And he got a good trip because he's stalking, you know, on the two path, a slow pace. But what was nice about it is just the way he really kicked home and kind of opened up on the field, even though it was a slow pace, he still showed he had a turn of foot that you could kick away from horses that really weren't tired. So, you know, to me, he's got everything he wanted a turf horse, but he could get in trouble again. Um, but he drew a good post. Castellano's a pretty good rider. Um, he had an injury and he's starting his comeback from that injury and he's been riding better of late. So he could get a good trip uh, and maybe gets a little bit overlooked in here, but right now four to one, that seems about fair um, in here. Uh, and I think, you know, I'll take him. Uh, and the other thing about him, I forgot to mention is he had that slow pace in that last race, but he's been kind of, the victim of slow paces in almost every single race he's been in, except that one time he got the brutal trip. So all the other races he's been in, he's been closer trying to close into just glacial fractions. Um, and this is the first time I think he'll be in a race other than the one, the one time when he had all the trouble since then that he'll get an honest pace. So he could really trip out in here. Um, and I think he has a lot of talent. So. The two smoke and tea is one of the two I like in here. Um, kind of have to wait and see what the price is, but four to one's about fair value, I think. All right, I'm going to use both of your horses, and I'm going to use a lot of horses in this race, actually. <laughs> but um, I decided to make my top pick, Father Glado. He's turf bred. He looks pretty good in his maiden breaker. It was a you know a close win, but it didn't seem to be in doubt. Trainers hitting at 22% the last 90 days. I can see a big improvement on turf for this horse. I'm not sure why they started on synth. doesn't really matter. Um, he just seems at 8-1. to one. He's, he's a horse I want to use, and I'm just going to put him on top. I was originally going to put Smoke and Tea on top, but he's not faster than the other horses, so that's why I didn't do it. Uh, Father Glado is also not faster than the other horses, but he's... A uh, bigger price, so that's 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 where I land on. Um, I got those two horses, but I also use, and this is why I might not be able to play the pick five. I also think that you have to use Biz Biz Buzz, Shansu, Gingrich, and Grand Sonata, which is so it's basically almost the entire field. <laughs> okay, uh, Ken, <laughs> jump in. Uh. Show the, the the two smoking tea interested me. Um, again, bred to be a good one. It, it brought him along slowly. I didn't really didn't really take off in that in that win. I, I thought he had that uh, he had the ability to really destroy that field. The other the two back race for the seven Gingrich. Was good. Rocket one is okay, but I, again, it's a Kentucky Downs, and who knows what the uh, what how accurate the figure is. The four, a biz biz buzz, started out like he might be a, a good uh, turf horse. The last two, not that great, and the uh, 
the horses out of that pulpit race. Uh, I, I will discuss a few of them later, but that wasn't a great race. So the other horse I like in here um, is the eight horse Grand Sonata. And the only reason I didn't make it the top pick over smoking tea is I'm afraid that this horse could get bet. But um, it started its career in a sprint and it ran second, but that second was to Slipstream, who was a very nice sprinter and actually beat smoking tea that day. And that was closing into a very slow pace on a sprint. And then they, uh, actually won an off-the-turf dirt race in its second start, which is pretty impressive because I think this is definitely a, a turf horse. Um, and so clearly has a lot of talent. And then they tried it in the stakes, two turns on the turf, exactly where you expect them to put it. And if you watch this replay, you can't have a worse trip than this horse had in the stretch. I mean, it was completely blocked the entire stretch. And finally, like the last hundred yards, um, Lescano gets the horse out into the clear and it just takes off. Um, and it was only beaten a length and three quarters in that stakes race. And I think it's much, much better than that, that um, result would indicate. So to me, this may be the best horse in the race. I'm just afraid it may get bet off of that trip was so bad. It's the kind of trip that could get pounded next time out. Um, but it's also been training pretty well since then. You know, it gets Gaffleone, who's a, who's a good turf rider. Um, and it seemed like there's enough speed in here and a small enough field where even that eight post shouldn't be too bad. He ought to be able, Gaffleone's pretty good. I think he ought to be able to at least get into the two path by the time they hit that first turn. So, you know, to me, Grand Sonata, uh, Lots of talent there too. So I'm kind of in the Grand Sonata smoke and tea camp for this race. Okay, well, we'll move on to the 10th. It's the Mucho Macho Man, mile on the dirt, purse of 150,000 for three year olds. And Chris, I think it's your turn this time. Yeah, this is a, another really tough race. Um, uh, it's kind of like that first dirt race we talked about. It's a small field, but you know, you can, can make a case for or against many of the runners in here. Um, and I, I, I guess for the pod purposes, um, I'll pick one of the horses that are is stretching out, uh, the three horse simplification. Uh, this horse, you know, ran really well last time out sprinting it. And I guess not last time out, it ran really well two races back sprinting. Then it kind of ran a clunker. Uh, it's last out, but it, it kind of acted up before the race and it was in a bit of a duel. You know, I'm just willing to kind of toss that race. And now they stretch out. And it really is kind of bred on the, at least not this time, definitely kind of has some route breeding in there. So I'm not thrilled about this horse, but, um, you know, I, like I said, I could make a case for or against all a bunch, but if I had to pick a horse, that's the one I would pick the three horse simplification. 
Okay, simplification. Yeah, this is also a tough race. And I think, what is he, seven to two? Three, three, to, three one to one on the morning. Three to one. It's only six but horses in this race. Yeah, 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 I think they're, it's hard to predict, but you know, he'll probably be between two to one and four to one, somewhere in that range. All right, uh, Ken, what are you thinking in this race? Well, I'm, I landed on the same horse uh, as Chris, but with maybe a little more enthusiasm. Uh, the last race was too, too bad to believe. There was a note that he, he wasn't comfortable in the gate. He delayed the start uh, briefly. And he never looked comfortable down the back stretch. He, he sort of got pinned on the rail from the one hole. I'm hoping he, he can find at least uh, the ability that he showed in the race two back, which, again, he beat nothing in the race, but it was a sharp figure uh, in, in more or less an even manner. He, he's supposed to stretch out, not this time by Giants Causeway. He's supposed to stretch out. Uh, Antonio Sano's numbers don't... Uh, give me a lot of encouragement that he will, but uh, I'm going to make him my pick though. Uh, I had a three to one and a seven to two morning line on him. So uh, we'll go with him as a pick. And there's a couple of others to, to that merit further discussion. Well, I just saw the replay of Grand Sonata and you're right. That was a nightmare trip. Sorry to go back to that last race, but he, you got to kind of lean on that horse now after seeing that race. Let's go back to uh, well, back to the tenth. It's not very exciting, but I kind of like graphic detail. I he he never seemed that comfortable in the race. He he was kind of under a ride, but then in the stretch, he was he he seemed to really hit his stride and was close you know he closed well and he got up and i think you know he's working out well since then and mott is usually better second time out and it's just stretching to a mile it's not even going to two turns so um i'm kind of i'm kind of keen on graphic detail in this race and i don't know about i haven't decided if i'd use other horses but He's only five to two. Maybe he'll go off a little higher than that, uh, but that's the horse I'm leaning on. So, do you really think you're going to get five to two on that horse that won its debut for Belmont and it's got Saez riding? And, and that horse is going to be could be even money, don't you think, in this race? I don't think so. No. No. Okay. What do you think, Ken? What do you think the price on that horse will be? Yeah, that, I, I don't even know if the morning line is a is a fair guideline uh, for some of these races. But look, I mean, uh, Strike Hard is going to get hammered. The horse looks very fast. I mean, there's no way that uh, graphic detail is even money. Okay. Well, graphic detail. Yeah, he's going to be favored. Uh, I, I can't imagine a mot horse who won on debut uh, not being favored over a Matthew Williams horse in, in a stake race. Strike hard I like, and, and Scott, we, we uh, shared the uh, knowledge that strike, strike hard is the racing flow upgrade for the race. 
but I, I think he may have seen the best of strike hard and it's not any faster than these horses. Uh, with the six, with the Mott horse, he was not really ridden that hard down the back stretch, but yeah, they had to get into him and the, he beat Triple Elvis, a, a Chad horse who has been beaten twice as a favorite already and basically I thought just idled in the stretch. Um, the, the profile of, of the six, again, a first time uh, stretching out, I'm not sure if that sort of sprint win to this sort of uh, lower level stake, if that's the winning profile. Uh, yeah, and I would I, I, I kind of jump on graphic detail. That horse is not bred to route. I mean, the one thing about Practical Joke's done pretty well as a two-year-old sire, but his horses have not stretched out at worth a, a, a hoot. The horse hasn't had any good horses stretching out. Maybe he's had one. I don't know. But they all seem to be sprinters. The dam was a sprinter. I mean, this horse is really sprinty. So, um, you know, to me... The breeding suspect, and I think the horse is going to get absolutely hammered at the windows. So I, I'm kind of against graphic detail. Certainly could win, but I think from a value standpoint, um, that is probably the play against in here. From a breeding standpoint, he's an OXO equine horse that they paid $320,000 for. Seeing what they pay for horses, I want to know what they didn't like about him. Because they usually pay triple that for these horses. Uh, all, all their big ticket items, uh, some of them run well, but uh, yeah, I, I don't see him necessarily being a miler. Oh, fair enough. Uh, you know, based on the stats, uh, Practical Joke has only had one winner at a mile or more, and uh, he hits at 20% at less than a mile. So uh, that's a good point. I'm not going to, I'm still going to use them, but uh, mm, probably won't single him. Yeah, it's a little bit skewed on the stats because, you know, it's his first crop sire, so he hasn't had that many routers. But if you look at the horses, he's had a lot of really good sprinters that ran, you know, really looked impressive in their sprint routes and they try to stretch them out and none of them seem to be able to reproduce that form going longer. Um, but you know, it's a little bit unfair. The small sample size is small You know, it could still be that he turns out to be a better sire. But if you look at some of the horses they've been breeding him to, they're out of dams that are route, you know, like giant causeway dams, Medallia Doro dams. I mean, and this is a sprinty dam. So you got a, a you know, it seems unlikely this horse is going to be able to, route very well given that um he's bred to some other mares that are pretty good mares that were more distance oriented and they and they weren't able to get the horses to stretch out seems unlikely that this sort of a sprinty mare is gonna is gonna throw a router out of you know practical joke that's all okay well i I'm, i really I'm don't like this big three. five anyway All right, we'll go to the 11th race. It's a claiming race, a mile and a 16th on synthetic. Purse of 24,000 for four-year-olds and up. And Ken, 
Where did your magic dart land? Boy, well, I, I hit the board the first couple of times I threw it with this race. Uh, but I, I said, this is the race. It's got to be a price. Racing flow upgrade, 10 and 11. I landed on the 10 idle time. Came back after a short break. Made it uh, on the dirt, made a early move into a hot pace off a short layoff, which that, that sharper pace usually means a better effort the second time off the layoff. His turf, his pure turf figures, some of those races back at, at Monmouth were pretty good. And if he has any uh, preference at all for the Tapita, has a shot. Again, only has a shot, but 20 to 1 would get me interested on a horse like this every day. I like it. I like it. Yeah, got got those back numbers on turf. Chris, what are you thinking? Uh, and on this race, and I kind of like the six horse, Marissa's Mission. She's a three-year-old about to turn four. I just kind of steadily improved has taken to the synth coming off a good race. She's never really run a bad race. I don't know why she would be to run a bad race now. And her last race was good enough to win. She ended up against a bunch of horses that are unlikely to, to run any better than they have before. And she's probably one of the few, if, it, if not the only one with some upside still. So, um, you know, to me, she's kind of obvious. I think the eight to one is probably not going to hold up. Uh, she'll probably get bet down below that, but I think she's the most likely winner and she'll be a decent price. Um, so to me, she looks like to play a couple others in here. I'm interested in as well, but for the pod pick, I'll go with the six horse. Okay. I'm with you on Marissa's mission. Ran big on synth and last eight to one price. Looks good on a three-year-old that may have upside. I would also use Utrecht, even though it's only three to one morning line. Ran his best race on synth in last and gets a good post. And Farley also ran well on the synth in his last. And I think if you get five to one on him, he's also usable. And I'm still Can't looking, on I'm, I'm checking out idle time as we speak. <laughs> uh I, again, I'm looking for a price here for, for the picks I've used so far. I'm going to have to demand a price in the last race. And the, the two outside horses, and I, I don't, I haven't seen any post position studies yet of, of the route races on Tapita. But again, there's ability that uh, in the Delaware races and, and in the Mammoth races for these horses that. Uh, in case, in case it transfers to the synthetic track, uh, the horses will be right there. And again, because of the unfashionable, uh, unfashionable races or finishes they've been coming from, uh, it'll be a, a decent price. Yeah, so you're speaking about National Honor and Lucas and Laurie. And um, uh, well, no, Plato, Plato, and National Honor. Okay, Lucas so, and Lori, yeah, Lucas and Lori. I, I just don't like the 
I haven't seen many of those wood Woodbine five thousand dollar horses win elsewhere. Okay, yeah, that's that horse is on the AE list, Lucas and Laurie. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Philosophically I, I, I speaking, I'll... <laughs> go ahead, Ken. Finish up. Well, I'm sorry. No, National Honor, uh, uh, Jane Sabelli. The the races back at Delaware. They're, they're, they were open eights, which is, you know, not the worst bunch in the world. And she hasn't, uh, she hasn't been a factor on the synthetic races, but I guess the, they're going to have to either learn to alter their training or their shoeing or, or whatever. But the, again, the horse, just a hint of ability. And in the case of the 11, an upgrade from the last race, that's enough for me in a race like this. I can yeah, see it. So. Uh, right, I, Chris. I want I want you to be able to use your uh, your pun here. My pun. <laughs> I would say philosophically speaking, um, I also am in the Plato camp. Uh, I I do think he, his dirt numbers are good if he can take to the synthetic. The outside posts aren't a bad thing on the synthetic, uh, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. And you don't want to go, you know, six wide or something, but you know, the three path is not a bad place on this. And um, Plato, I definitely agree, is a price. National Honor, um, I agree with you as well. Uh, a horse does have the one bad race on synth, but that was where that was a horse that was buried on the rail. Um, we talked about that earlier, or I did anyway. Um, you don't want to be buried on the rail a lot of times, especially these closers on the turf that aren't used to any kind of kickback at all. That's just not the place to be. This is a closer, draws the outside now, won't be stuck on the rail. That horse could show dramatic improvement. So I'm with Ken on those outside horses. Those two are live at a price. I'm not sure what the prices will be, but they're, in this kind of race, there's gonna be a couple horses that'll be big, big prices. And Scott Uhtred definitely is one, probably the next most likely winner behind Marissa's mission. And, you know, first off the claim for Delgado is always um, positive. And he's claimed three that he went back on to synth first off the claim, and he's won two of those three. So maybe he's kind of figured out what kind of horses he wants to get for the synth track, or maybe he's just lucky, or maybe he's just always good off the claim. But, um, you know, that one you definitely want to use. And Farley probably makes sense too. But I think from a price standpoint, those two that, that Ken pointed out, Plato, the 11, 12 National Honor, they they wouldn't be a shock. And and like I said, to start Marissa's mission, I think really fits in here, should run well. Let's just get a live yeah. for that. Yeah. I, um, another thing about that inside, if they're buried on the inside, it's a, it's a thin it's a thin course that tapata is like it's like a uh, uh yeah it's 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 like a thin rubber band i mean if you if you look at it you don't really notice it when you're watching the races on tv but when you're at the track it's actually this very thin uh course so so i would imagine that'd be even harder for horses that are buried on the inside yeah i think it's for me it's more like 
I'm trying to see, you know, it's turf horses tend to run pretty good on synthetic, but the big difference between the two is the kickback. On, on turf, there's typically not that much kickback. So on the turf, you know, the perfect trip is the IRAD trip, you know, that you sit the pocket and then you push your way out when they spin out of the turn and, and you know, run to daylight. That sitting in the pocket uh, for a turf horse is not very punishing, but on the tapita, they could be eating a lot of kickback. So I think that's where you see a lot of these horses. They they get stuck on that rail and they just have no finish at all because they're just they're they're sick of the race after you know a few furlongs of getting I don't know what it is not dirt but whatever tapita is kicked into their face. So <laughs> yeah, so breathing that stuff in watching. cannot be healthy. No. And so, you know, those closers that can get, you know, stay off that rail, um, then they can show that finish. And I think that's where you can get the dramatic improvement. And that's what you might see with national honor. Uh, maybe not. Maybe the horse just doesn't like to Peter or, or just not, you know, it's over the top because his last race at parks wasn't very good either, but it was kind of on an off turf. But I mean, if, if it was to kick back, you could see that dramatic improvement. And you might get 20 to one on the horse or something. Yeah. Again, this is going to be the race to, to blow open the pick five because uh, I, I think uh, just, you just want to do what you got to do to get alive to this race and, and have as much coverage. But, but isn't that always the story? Yeah, it's a tough pick five. I, I really don't like the small fields that are kind of wide open because you know, those are just tough. Um, you almost have to just like either, you know, if you spread, you're kind of giving away a lot. And if you take a shot with one of them, you're just kind of guessing, at least from uh, for me, you know, that. And there's a couple of those small field wide open races that to me are just the, the toughest kind on the pick five. That, that's why that. I use what I call the, the AC single. I, there's just one horse. And then I'll put, you know, one, two or three horses as a C just to keep my A line alive for the rest of the sequence. That way, if you do that in a short field, uh, you have, let's say, additional bullets to spread in a race like this. So you've got to hit all the others. If if you get a C, then you just have to hit all the others in the sequence. You're saying with all you got to hit all the A's. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. But but if your if your A wins, you're alive with, you know, significant coverage. It's the best way yeah. in a short field to get significant coverage and not compromise what your selections are. Yeah, it's definitely a lot smarter way than you know, playing all those horses on your like in the caveman style kind of thing. That that's when you're really giving away a lot of value. You just keep the club around from the caveman in case you miss the last race and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you on yourself. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough pick five sequence. I, I don't know. I don't know if I can handle it. Yeah, and, and me, it's that graphic detail race that's messing me up because I, I feel like I can single of a revolution, but like I can't single graphic detail and, and, and I, I'd love to be able to single a horse in that race. 
Well, if you're going to play that race with graphic detail, the only way to play it is a single. I think it's a, it, that horse is going to be end up being a heavy favorite and a bad favorite. But I could be wrong. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing at the odds a little bit. But, I, you know, that's one I'm kind of against quite a bit. I mean, sometimes the breeding angles are overrated a little bit. But, man, that one just seems like a stretch out is going to be a challenge for it. Yeah, I mean, my, my, I'd say in the last year at least, he, he has been more aggressive with his first-time starters. And it's always impressive when he does win. That, that'll be reflected in the price. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm quite happy with my pick of the three. I, I think if he breaks clean, I think he'll take them all the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but I do think he's probably better value. To me, the the yeah. best races in the sequence are the are the synthetic races. I know Ken probably doesn't agree with me, but I actually have horses in those races that I kind of like. I might get a price on. Um, you know, they're the only two. And then that yeah, that one turf point, race. Yeah, I mean, term from a value standpoint, uh, and that no, one turf race, I'm absolutely. really going to be interested. I really think Smoke and Tea or Grand Sonata, one of those two, might be pretty good horses it'll be interesting to see if they get a good trip and if one of them puts on you know puts out a big performance i don't know if they're going to be a, a good bet but i think that one i'm kind of interested in just to see what what happens yeah I'm after wondering... I'm, I'm sorry I, i'm wondering if you know we're, we're struggling with these synthetic races most of the guys i talk to and exchange handicapping ideas struggle with them I wonder what the computer guys are doing with these races and, and are these races as vulnerable to the uh, late odds changes as the dirt and the turf races? Well, I don't know about the lap part, but I do know that there's less data, so it's going to be, sure. not, they're not going to be as good. Now, as there, there's more and more races run on it, then the computers will get better, but uh, again, to me, you know, whenever something's new and people are struggling and complaining about it, for, for me, that's always opportunity. So I can't always cash in on it, but I like to think about it. Hey, think about it as an opportunity. See if you can take advantage of that and find an edge there because there are some edges to be gained and they probably won't last forever. But for a while, okay. there might be able to find a few things on the scent at Gulfstream that you can cash in on. Right. You want to be ahead of the curve on this one. All right. You guys have any other plays on the card? There are a couple of stakes, uh, which I didn't get a chance to look at. I, I can't say I, I looked at anything else because, uh, again, the, the word I used was inscrutable, and I'll stick with that. Uh, I, I had enough of a struggle to come up with these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> I was kind of like that myself. All right. Well, then on yeah, that note, I, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I um I was actually looking at races today. I was gonna play some races today. There's pretty good racing today, so I hadn't really looked at anything else um, for Saturday yet. I just did the the ones we're doing for the pod. Okay. Well, then in that case, I'd like to thank our guest Ken Jordan. Ken, thanks for handicapping with us. Thanks, guys. I enjoyed it. I, I hope we can cash this one. I hope so, too. 
That will conclude show number 154 of the Sport of Kings pod. Have a happy new year. Good luck at Gulfstream. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout. I'll see you on Sport of Kings. Cheers. Giddy up.